Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get up nation my name is ben biddick i am the creator and host of the get up nation podcast where i serve individuals organizations and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance i'm the co-author of get up the art of perseverance with former major league baseball player adam greenberg the get up nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with gotyour6coffee.com where navy veteran eric hadley is committed to serving first responders veterans and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country. Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Casey Head. Casey is also known as The Happier Hustle on Instagram and Facebook. A three-time cancer survivor, Casey is the founder of the Happier, Healthier You program that helps women after surviving cancer to embrace the new normal so that they can thrive. She's the author of Finding Your Way, Back to Heart Center, Cancer Treatment Ended, Now What? She offers group courses, a coaching program, uh, yoga sessions, and more to help cancer survivors navigate their new normal. So happy today to speak with you, Casey, on the Get Up Nation show. Oh, thank you for having me. So it's a, I'm truly grateful for this opportunity. Awesome. Well, um, I'm so happy to have you here. You have a tremendous uh, journey, and I'm so honored that you're taking the time to share it with me and my audience here. First, if you wouldn't mind, can you share where you live and work? So currently, I am stuck in California because of COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm originally from Chicago, and we were only supposed to snowbird. Mm -hmm. Um for the winter and we got stuck. So I'm still in California. I'm in Paso Robles right now. Okay. And um, I don't know where I'll end up being. <laughs> and I do the Happier Hustle full-time. Awesome. All right. Uh, will you share whatever you're comfortable with when it comes to your experience surviving cancer? You, you survived it not just once or twice, but three times. Uh, will you share a little bit about what you've been through? Absolutely. I'll give you the short abridged version. Um, so in on Valentine's Day in 2014, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia and started treatment immediately, was hospitalized for 32 days, I believe. I got out early because I was lived so close to the hospital. About four months in, I ended up having a stroke because of the chemotherapy. So I had to relearn how to use my entire left side um, rehabbing for eight weeks straight, three hours every single day, five days a week, while still going through chemotherapy because I had not yet 
been in remission and my cancer was really aggressive and so they didn't want to pause it at all. So after that, the protocol I was on was about, it's approximately two years total. And seven weeks after I finished my last chemo, I relapsed. Mm. Um, at that point, I was immediately hospitalized again, and we did an immunotherapy to begin with, um, and it didn't work. It sent me right back into the hospital, um, basically uh, giving me 105 fevers for three days straight, which I don't know how I got through because I literally don't remember any of it. Um, and then they were like, well, you're kind, you, the chemo wasn't working and the immunotherapy wasn't working. So I was supposed to go on to a CAR T cell, uh, trial, clinical trial at the time that ended up, I went through all of the, um, the, um, the scans, the testing that they do for you to be even, um, eligible for the the trial which took about a month to do um and then it got shut down because unfortunately a couple of people passed away and so they shut down the whole trial so i'm still sitting in the hospital i ended up being there for 62 days with no uh like release date finally i go was like i gotta get out of here like this isn't like, i'm going stir crazy in the same room and they were like, well, you're chemo resistant, so we don't know what to do with you. So we're basically going to try and keep you alive until we figure out a solution. So while I was outpatient, uh, they had just gotten done with the Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Society Conference for Doctors and came back and said, well, there's this other immunotherapy. It's not really for what you're going through. It's called Isotunumab. and But we don't really have another solution. And so they gave us the, all the research was one page, 114 participants. I think two had the cancer that two or three had the cancer I had. And usually when you're at this stage, they're basically like, we just are trying anything to see if it works. You don't really like, you're not following any rules. And so I was like, all right, well, I, you know, it's not going to kill me. So I'm already kind of slowly dying. <laughs> so let's try it. And we had to write a letter of compassion to the FDA and a letter of compassion to the drug manufacturer to get um, even access to it. So that took about a month and a half of just waiting and sitting there. And, and they finally approved it. Thankfully, it worked <laughs> I, by some miracle. Um, and so immediately the goal was to get me to transplant so I could get uh, my stem cells from my brother, who was my donor. He was 100% match, thankfully. So I went back into the hospital for another 30-something days um, for uh, a stem cell. Then, six months later, I relapsed again after stem cell. And so they went down the path of, do we give you this immunotherapy again, or do we do another stem cell infusion? Which... Stem cell is it's so aggressive. It's like rebooting a computer that completely crashed. And you're trying to just save as much, many parts as possible. And nothing really works the same again. It's <laughs> the best way I can describe it. So we opted for trying the immunotherapy again because I, I was like, that is the less aggressive route to go. And so thankfully since then, since um, – end of October, 2017, I've been in remission. Oh, wow. Amazing. Wow. Now, 
you're going through all of that. You're, you're experiencing a very traumatic event. You're experiencing this. At what point did you start to realize or make the transition into, you know, all of these things that I've survived? What, how much value is that for other people? Does, was it largely out of painful things that you'd sustain that you want to prevent others from having to experience or what, and how did that affect you in that moment where you're like, wow, I have a lot to share that would ease the suffering of others. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, I think it didn't come until a lot later um, after some time had passed. Number one, I didn't really realize how much I had been through but then when I started to tell more people that I didn't know about it, um, because I really didn't document a lot of my journey through the process. I have a few pictures, stuff like that, but I didn't really like document, document it. And people are like, holy cow, you've been through a lot. And I don't think it's a lot because when you're going through it, you don't think that. Mm. Um, and so the more I told people, the more people were like just blown away with how much I had been through. And so my biggest struggle was coming out of treatment though and realizing like what I felt I wasn't alone in that feeling and the women that I spoke to needed help trying to figure out how to navigate post-cancer life. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I figured it out, but it took a lot of trial and error and research and, you know, time, energy. And if I can help someone get there quicker than than I did like that is the win for everyone what are some of the things that were that were so difficult will you give um, our listeners an understanding of some of the challenges that you faced as you as you came out of the treatment and began to navigate you know your new normal so all through anyone's cancer journey your hand is held by your oncology team the entire step of the way like they monitor you they make sure you're okay you see them once um uh, a week a month like you they are like your best friends but then they don't have the training or the knowledge or um, understanding of what to do with you afterwards so they're like you're clear go live life we'll see you in three months for your next scan and you're like I don't know how to do that. Number one, your physical body is beat up. Number two, your mental and emotional state because you're coming out of that fight or flight mode is completely like, just like I, what just, you literally go, what just happened? And so like, there's just not a lot of number one research or, um, not even research, just a lot of like post care effort, I guess, for any survivors, which is shocking because of how many there are. Right. Right. How do you have, have you been helping uh, medical facilities gain a more compassionate or humane process to make that transition? Um, is that in the future for you or how are, how are, if, if there are people watching or in healthcare who are working in oncology or radiation or, or, or this field, how can they make that transition happen better? So I would, I mean, like big, huge vision. I would love to be a part of coming up with a team to get a nationwide survivorship plan. That would be like the ultimate goal. 
will it ever happen? I don't know. Um, it, there's a lot of, you know, red tape, so to speak, the, the, not only just in the, the hospital side, but also the insurance side as well. And I truly like that would be a big goal. Um, eventually I know there's other practitioners that work with survivors as well that would ultimately love to see that. Um, will it happen? I don't know. It truly is. It's like a street fight. You're, you're battered. You are dealing with trauma. Um, it's, it's an exhaustive uh, process. You were, well, you're talking about a waiting for 30 days for just to hear if something would happen. That's gotta be, um, tremendously uh, challenging. So you have to truly, uh, become comfortable at that present moment, right? Because it's all you've got. How can women navigate those moments and be aware of that present moment so that you're, you're talking about thriving and not just surviving? How, how do you help women deal with these realities? Yeah, I mean, fear and anxiety is, is, is a number one thing that I think we're all scared that it's going to come back because yeah. we, we don't know. And most of us have been diagnosed out of nowhere to begin with. And so that feeling of getting your life ripped away is, it's really hard. And then the first time around, and it doesn't get easier if you, the number of times you hear it. Right. So what it is, it's really about being in living in the present and being grounded as possible through implementing the right strategic tools. So having a good gratitude practice, journaling every day, meditation, incorporating tools such as those into your daily life mm -hmm. so you can not, because fear and worry live and thrive off of future thoughts and the unknown. They, that is how you get stuck in that cycle. So if you can harness your own thoughts and your energy to stay as grounded as possible in the day, yeah, there's always planning for the future but really being grounded and present with what you're doing daily and setting your, yourself up in a way where you don't even let the anxiety get started or that fear get started mm -hmm. is the key. And that is what I help women incorporate into their lives is not even allowing space for that fear and anxiety to exist. I see. And how much, how much relief and empowerment comes from that? Uh, because you're, you're, instead of having everything just happen to you, you're having some say in what's happening and you're having, you know, this is what I can, there's certain things we can control and certain things we can't, but in those moments to be able to do that and say, well, I'm not, you know, then it gives you that sense of, well, I can do something and this is what I'm going to do. Absolutely. It, no, I totally understand. It is about what you can control. There is so much of every everyday life, we can't control a lot of it. But what I instill in my clients is that do what you can control with your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. If you feel like you are doing everything in your power, physically, emotionally, mentally, to put yourself in the best position possible, should on the off chance it comes back, that's the most empowering feeling ever. Because you know you're physically strong enough to get through it, you're mentally, your mindset is right there, and emotionally, you could handle it. Like, having that empowerment back, and giving it back, the power back to you and to my clients, is just it, it gives you peace of mind 
which is so needed in, in troubling or traumatic situations, that peace of mind to be able to navigate that. Ultimately, you know, that's resilience in a profound way. This podcast is all about resilience and trying to help people develop that. I think a lot of, in the conversations that I've had with, whether it's combat veterans going into battle or whether it's uh, cancer survivors talking about being diagnosed. So as we face challenges that show us our mortality, that, that, in that show us that, you know, oftentimes we get this idea in our head when we don't have much pain or when things are going well, that it'll be like this forever. And so we, we kind of get this idea of, well, we just chase pleasure and run away from pain, but then we really miss a lot of life. And so if we face these things and, and acknowledge we are mortal, like at some point, all of us dies. And when we make that choice to face that, that's where bravery sets in. That's where, uh, Uh, tell me what your thoughts are on this, but then that present moment becomes so glorious because you know that, you know, whether it's tomorrow or 20 years from now or 50 years from now, I will, you know, this is a, this life of what we know of it, we have only a certain amount of time. And so, man, the little things become powerful. The little things become profound and we live life so deeply and in such an enriched way when the taste of a strawberry or the, you know, or, or being in, in comfortable clothing, or if you have dealt with the, the nausea and the pain of chemo and, and all of those things, you start to have an appreciation for, the, for even the littlest and the simplest of things that many other people who have not suffered may not even consider or take for granted. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. Um, you know, for a lot of cancer survivors, it's not a matter of if anymore, it's a matter of when. Mm-hmm. Once you're a survivor, you're already in a category more susceptible to additional cancers mm-hmm. or relapsing. Right. So finding joy in your daily life is all we've got. Like the reality of my situation, I tell my husband this all the time, even though he's like freaks out when I say this, is I probably only realistically have about 20 years left in my life Mm. what i've been through i'm chemo resistant if i get another cancer i'm kind of sol so there's not a lot of options unless technology all of a sudden starts dumping money into immunotherapies and alternative practices there's not a lot i can do so and that's big pharma switching gears on a whole different level Mm. um so finding joy for the next 20 years was my goal. Like I didn't want to live commuting two hours to work in misery. Right. That time, that two hours of day is precious now. Yeah. And that is also what I, I preach to my like clients is finding that joy in your day. Yeah. Like, yeah, we work is work and we, but are you living to work? Or are you working to live? Mm-hmm. Is kind of like a similar um, situation that you can kind of compare it to, but it's finding those moments where you just forget that you even had cancer. Those moments you forget about everything else. And you're like in that moment of pure joy. Those are the moments that are so wonderful. Yeah. That's the ultimate bravery. It's just the, it's so much courage. It's just the thing that says, you know what, this is the reality that's, and I'd rather live that way in a sense of, I would rather have the awareness to know, and that insight to say, well, you know what, I know that my life, you know, would, you know, chances are it's, it's 20 years or it's this or that. 
and there's no guarantees. And, and I, it would be for me personally to know, you know, I live today to its fullest. I, I, I savored every moment as much as I could and enjoyed every and laughed so hard and did the thing that I was scared to do at one point, did these things. And you know what? I, when I was given the gift of living, I lived it. I didn't yeah. miss it. I didn't spend it watching TV. I didn't, I didn't waste it. And so to embrace life with that fullness and then to do that with a camaraderie of other survivors and to do that in a way where part of your gift of living is soothing the suffering or the fear or the anxiety of others. What an honorable way to live. What an honorable way to spend your day. It really is. Uh, I so thoroughly enjoy it. My clients are absolutely like the best part of my day when I talk to them and when I interact with them because they, they understand a lot. There's no one who is, if you've never been through cancer, you can't understand what it's like to go through it. Not that you should. Um, but there's camaraderie in understanding what it's like. It's like you probably with the military. I don't know what that's like to be in, in service, but when you get around your, your guys, it's like, you get each other on a level that you don't even need to say anything. You just understand. Yep. Casey, I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Are you willing to run through these six quick questions with me? Sure. All right. Who are you thankful for today? I am thankful for my husband. I am thankful for my dad, who is my best friend. And I'm thankful for my mother-in-law because she's wonderful. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? Ooh, today I am grateful for the cup of coffee that I had this morning because it was exactly what I needed. I am grateful for the walk that I got to take and the ability to move my body. And how do you fuel the fire within you? My motivation, it's so deep that sometimes I feel like I, I don't do it necessarily for me. I do it because my family had my back through cancer so much. Like I, I, I feel like I'm doing it a disservice if I don't live my life to the best of my ability for them because of what they had to endure with me. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? that we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. What are you doing today you may have never thought you could? Living in California, even if it's temporarily. <laughs> and what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? Hopefully enjoy another 4th of July and relax and you know, just be, be grateful that, that I'm, I'm alive again, like for another day, to be honest. Like, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work, Casey? Um, I am on Instagram at the happier hustle. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at the happier hustle as well. Or, or you can find me, my name is Casey head. You can find me on Facebook. So those are pretty much where I live. All right. Days. All right.